Purple Heart Homes presents Putting the Pieces Back Together, a forum for veterans and the community to connect. Here are your hosts, veterans John Galena and Brad Borders. Hey, hey, welcome to what is going to be a spectacular show today. I don't even know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm discombobulated, man. Yeah. Like my whole, my whole world got interrupted and I got moved. Well, you're, you know, <laughs> you're, around Marines, you're around Marines every day. That's right. I got, yeah, I got, my, my geography has changed. But, right? norm, I'm but not, normally I'm, what I'm is said. I'm using beside you, and now I'm looking at you. And normally what you is said is when there's there. one Marine, you're surrounded, and today I'm flanked, <laughs> so I don't even know what Man, to think. Yeah. It's like. Hey, look, bro, you made your bed. Well, you made you your know, bed. You got a lie in it, man. I, I don't know what to ma- tell you. Making my bed was one thing, but uh, being handcuffed and uh, escorted into the studio to come to work for the day, uh, that's <laughs> a whole other thing. It's true. For those who don't know, John's been officially, some some kind of official action has been taken against John because he's made disparaging comment, comments about the United States Marine Corps I did over no the such last thing. month I, and a I half. I plead the fifth. And we had, well, that didn't work here. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm saying truth is truth. And uh, Paul, Paul's got a document here that comes from our illustrious uh, sheriff here. Yeah, why uh, are you Campbell. here today, Paul? Yeah, why are you here? Well, I'm here today, and I think we maybe need to make the introduction first here. So today we have with us as guest the 37th Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Robert Neller. Hoorah. And just for con- just for just for context for people that might not know, there have been fewer of him than there have been presidents in the United States. This is true. That is that's a small this, this club. Is it is, is a, so, a special honor for us as Marines that uh, to so, have him on the show. So. Indeed. So, General, what we want to do with you today, I want to start off with this because we have to get John a pardon from all the Marine mothers who have come to bat for their Marine <laughs> sons and daughters here recently. <laughs> and to give you a little bit of context, you know, we were we taught to improvise, adapt, and overcome. And uh, John and I have been traveling a lot this year, and we had, a, we had an episode when we were going to Virginia. It was probably the culminating event here when when <laughs> this is when you started I had to, driving backwards. Well, I had to improvise, adapt, and overcome a situation. Wait a let's, to, let's be clear: you weren't driving backwards down the interstate. You were driving backwards the wrong direction down the interstate. Well, I had to improvise, I had to adapt, and I had to overcome to keep us on task. Oh my And gosh. I did so. So, with that being the culminating event, uh, John just decided to talk about how poorly of a driver I am, and then went on to uh, disparage not not. Jokingly, of course, but to disparage the Marines, and and we had some some uh, call in or some some input from mothers, a little blowback from Marine mothers, your of mama. which mine your was mama. one, yeah, and Devons as well, as <laughs> and, I understand and, uh, it. Yeah, she 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 was a little upset about some some comments that he made about me on the air, and uh, we're just not going to repeat that. I was so. just telling her that she had some red stuff on your teeth. <laughs> I mean, it could have been a pepper. I, it could have been a red pepper. I, I don't, don't know. really eat crayons, John. <laughs> so our sheriff came in the other day on the show and wrote John a citation, and the citation is... Hey, wait a minute. This is not a citation for anything good. This, hey, is, this, a, is, a this is a ticket. This is a warrant ticket. for arrest, the state of North Carolina versus John Galena. <laughs> Oof. So it is for the complainant is the Marine Corps Mothers Alliance of the United States. And this is for mean talking Marine Corps veterans. So given the fact that we knew that it was all in good fun and the Marine Corps mothers, we appreciate them. They go to bat for us and, and we, we wouldn't be here without them. We would ask you, sir, to please pardon John. Sir, in, in my defense, I do want I do want to say. 
we have served well over 200 Marine Corps veterans through Purple Heart Homes. <laughs> and we've done that all across the country from every generation. And they are, they are all great, fine Americans. They are patriots that have, have done our nation's too work. Thick. Too thick. It's the truth. <laughs> your chaplain, you're supposed to be helping me here. So I, I, Shouldn't you be praying thinking, for me? I've been thinking about this, and sir, if you would indulge me a bit, and I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're considering pardoning John, but I would like you you to pardon him with the caveat that he would have to beat his face 50 <laughs> times to pay penance to the Marine Corps mothers. Restitution. restitution. That's what they call that, restitution. <laughs> so, yeah. That's just my that's the request. As long as I don't US have Army to bury Chaplain. sand fleas. For those this of you who don't know what beating your face is, that's a uh, front-leaning rest position, <laughs> also known as the push-up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sir, what's your verdict? I don't know. Can Don do a push-up? No! <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll get it on video. We will get it on video. Now, I thought you said earlier you watched the Army. <laughs> Are you, you saying know, nobody in the Army does push-ups? I, I'm not sure it's proper for me to adjudicate the state of North Carolina since I'm a Texas resident. <laughs> uh, people if, if we were at company level, Article 50, our NJP is my Marine brothers don't. I'm not sure this would be worthy of my time as the commander. <laughs> but, sir, we're, we're sir, trying I to help. I would probably, probably tell the first sergeant to take Galena. <laughs> some appropriate legal manner. But, you know, I mean, it's good that, that the mom stood up, but I think all the mothers of anybody who's served or has served or is serving in our nation's military deserves extra special credit. So I, I think you should just apologize. If you haven't apologized, John, you need to apologize to all the mothers of all our service members out there for <laughs> any comment about any of their their children, no matter what branch of the service they serve in, and tell them you're never going to do that again. Yes, sir. To all the mothers of our service members that are out there, I apologize for ever saying anything about your children eating crayons, oh, no. about, about anything that I've ever said about their work ethic uh, or about their ability to read or write. <laughs> Color within the lines, window licking, oh anything my. of that nature. I sincerely apologize, and and I will do everything I can to never speak any ill against any of your service members again. I think I, I think for John to the battalion commander. Agreed. Field grade officer NJP and potential. <laughs> well, sounds like think, some wall-to-wall -wall counseling coming my way i think yeah. there's push-ups involved i think i think don yeah. took a little bit too much liberty with his answer <laughs> <laughs> sounds like david pepper's apology <laughs> <laughs> hey listen as we get ready to as we get ready to oh, i'm sorry sir go right ahead apology in somewhere but all right, moving on. <laughs> I, I do want to uh, take an opportunity before we cut the break. We got a couple of uh, really special Marines that are just near and dear to my personal heart. And uh, in honor of uh, General Neller being on the show today, um, we got uh, 
Major Mike Lennon, one of our board members, uh, just uh, thank the world of him, uh, served uh, for a number of years in a Marine Corps pilot. We got uh, Ron Duck Wyatt, our, one of our local town managers here in the community, and Sergeant Samantha Christopher, Purple Heart recipient, yep. and uh, just want to uh, give them a shout out and a big oorah. And uh, sir, they all send uh, their regards and uh, thank you for your leadership and uh, your dedication to our nation. Yeah, and I'll throw one in too. Colonel Doug Mason, who re- uh, chose Iredell County, North Carolina, to retire after 34 years in the Marine Corps. And uh, he lives up in North Iredell now. He's a beekeeper and a goat farmer, and uh, wow. we love him a whole lot. And you are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. We'll be right back with some amazing stories from General Robert Neller, 37th Commandant of the Marine Corps. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Hey, welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes. You can find out more about us today at phhusa.org and find out what we do for veterans each and every day around the country, helping them with their housing needs. And we are joined today by the 37th Commandant of the Marine Corps, Robert Neller. He's joining us via some kind of wild technology and uh, from all the way down in Austin, Texas. And we're super glad uh, to have him here and we're grateful for you joining us, sir. Um, we also want to let everybody know that prior to the break, um, John was uh, semi-exonerated from all of his uh, Marine Corps disparaging comments, and he has pledged on the air to turn over a new leaf and be a better human and be nicer to Marines. So. <laughs> Just as soon as I finish my push-ups. Okay, that's right. Just he owes 50 push-ups. Beat right. your face, sir. So, uh, hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and, sir, grateful to have you here, and um, we're, it's going to be a great show and, and, uh, we're super glad that, that, uh, that you joined us. And I think, uh, kind of where we get started, uh, with all of our guests is, uh, um, and I think during the break you were, uh, alluding to a little bit about, uh, uh, your, your why, uh, why it was that you, that you, uh, chose to join and, and, uh, we'd love to hear a little bit about that and what was it that motivated you to join the Marine Corps? Yes, sir. And I'd like to tag onto that with John when he kind of finished up with that. And you said your Army affiliation, Navy affiliation, why the Marine Corps? That's just what I want to get to. Well, I think like most people, you know, I went away to college and uh, it was the kind of the Vietnam War was winding down. In fact, I was in, I actually got a draft number. I was in the last draft. My number was 145. And I mean, if it had been lower, I probably would have got drafted. But um I don't know. I just had already been always been interested in mil, in military history and, and things military. But my roommate and I uh, were in the middle of our third year, uh, and we're walking through the student union. And like most people, how do you get recruited? Is somebody asks you? And the Marine recruiter in there, a guy named Jim Rathbun, the captain, and his very big guy, very fit looking guy. And he started chatting us up and my roommate and I, we, we had aspirations at that time of becoming attorneys or being lawyers. And he assured us that we could be lawyers in the Marine Corps. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you can which, be. <laughs> which was true. It was, it was true. So he said, I said, well, what we got to do? He says, well, you just got to go to officer candidate school this summer and 
I mean, everybody needs a summer job. And so my summer job in the summer of 1974 is I was an officer candidate at Quantico. And uh, I went there. My, my parents, particularly my mother, were not very happy about that. Uh, but I went and it was it was difficult, but met a lot of great people. I was fortunate. The guy that was our platoon sergeant was a gunnery sergeant by the name of Orozco. And he was uh, an incredible leader. I don't ever remember him uttering a single word of profanity. Hmm. He didn't have to. He ran three miles in about 15 minutes. Wow. That's, that's he, impressive. Just basically, we just, for whatever reason, he had a way about him. And, and so we got done, and I went back to school for my last year. I was in incredible physical condition and, you know, things happen. Uh, my parents were getting divorced. So I, they had helped pay for my school. I wanted to get married to this girl and I needed a job and I didn't get into the law schools I wanted to get into. And Marine Corps said, well, we'll give you a commission. You can go be a second lieutenant for three years. And I said, you know, that's my plan. I'm going to go do this for three years. And that's what happened. So I signed up and ended up getting a commission and ended up being assigned as an infantry officer and ended up marrying this girl who's now been my wife this this year. It'll be for 49 years. Congratulations. Congratulations. Wow. And, that's, uh, that's, that's you know, and stuff happens, you know, like my, my late father-in-law used to say, life is what happens when you're planning other stuff. <laughs> you, you are the embodiment of the term that no plan survives first contact. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I liked the people. I mean, there were days, I mean, like anything else, some days you're like, I don't, you know, some days were better than others, but I like the people. I like the mission. My wife, I was fortunate. My wife liked moving around. Um, you know, three years turns into five, and then you have a kid, and then another kid, and five turns into ten, and then ten turns into twenty, and you have another kid, and now you got responsibilities. And for some reason unknown to anyone other than the higher being up above, they kept promoting my dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> despite, despite my best efforts to screw it up. I think Sometimes it's because you were so kind and willing to give pardons. Is I, I don't think that anything to do with that. Uh, <laughs> sir? Well, what, I think the opposite phrase, John, was semi-pardon. Semi-pardon. At what point did you realize that you were you were going to be on track to, to not just uh, commandant, but, but general. I mean, that's never, never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think anybody who, I mean, everybody wants to be promoted. Everybody likes to be recognized. Everybody tries. I think most people try to do a good job. Uh, but I never, I think, I think, I didn't really believe I was never like the, you know, number one person. Uh, I, I got better. I was, I was fortunate. I, I always was, I had good commanders. I had really good staff, non-commissioned officers who kept me out of trouble. Uh, as I look back, I can only think of one or two exceptions where I didn't have really good senior enlisted who were there to like, Hey, 
sir. Yeah. <laughs> you really want, do you know what you just said? Or do you really, <laughs> really want to do that? <laughs> sir? Mm-hmm. They're like, hmm. You know, and, and uh, I mean, guys like uh, Joe Houle, Bob Hollow, Jim Jones, um, you know, Sergeant Major Green and Sergeant Major Marine Corps. Uh, just good guys all along the way that kind of kept my, kept me from doing silly things and letting me know what was going on with the Marines. So I had a good sense. And then I think over time, I've, I'm not the same. I'm a much different leader. I, I was a horrible lieutenant, I think. Uh, I almost got fired in my first job because I just kind of cop started to cop an attitude because things changed. I didn't like what I was doing. They moved me from one platoon to another. And the Marines, the platoon was, I didn't have a good staff NCO and I got really discouraged. And I had heard that my company commander was going to relieve me and send me to H and S company. And they're going to put me in charge of the chow hall. Oh, wow. This, wow. That's a, uh... this is a true story. So I heard that and I was, so that began like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I can't, that can't happen. So we were in Okinawa and, and uh, I went over to his room one night and I knocked on his door and I asked him if we could talk and I told him, I know I was screwing up. I knew I was screwing up and, and I would fix myself. Please let me stay in Lima company. Please. I'll, I'll do anything. Just don't let me stay. I'll fix myself. I'll square my ass away. And he did. That's, that's, he awful. did. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to be a little more, uh, uh less, uh, argumentative, I guess would be the proper term. Well, if it makes you feel any better from an enlisted perspective, all second lieutenants are terrible. So. <laughs> I think you might have just gotten hot water with the general. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, think, I think some, I mean, second lieutenants are trying to do the best they can. And if they have good NCOs, their NCOs look out for them. I had the first platoon I was in, we had three squad leaders, Sergeant Bacon, Corporal Thomas and Corporal Douglas, and they were good guys. I'm not sure how well educated they were. And Bacon was Sergeant Bacon was uh, very quiet, very Christian guy. But I'm not sure how. I guess the correct word term would be book smart. He was. But the man could land navigate like anybody. I was never lost. <laughs> Again, unusual for a second. Because we'd be out in the middle of nowhere. We'd be up in the northern turning area and down in some bottom of a ravine, and and I'd go, Sergeant Bacon, and he go, Yes, sir. And he says, Here, I think we're here on this map. What do you think? Because I was smart enough to know Sergeant Bacon probably knew better than I did where the hell we were. <laughs> he would climb up some tree with his compass and he'd shoot a resection. He'd come back down and he'd go, No, sir, we're right here. I said, I knew that's exactly where I thought we were. <laughs> <laughs> and so, never lost because I was smart enough to listen to Sergeant Bacon. And you know, some guys don't. I mean, I you have to know what you're good at and you have to know what you're not good at. But I was, you know, I think, and I was fortunate throughout my entire time that. You know, you listen to people, and if, if you, 
I never, I always was the, I believe I was the kind of person. And I think most people will tell you this. If I said to you, Hey, I, I want to know what you think about this. Then I really did. Cause if I didn't want to know what you thought about it, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Hey, sir, we've got about, we got about 30 seconds till we go to a hard break. So, uh, fascinating. Thanks for that. And, uh, we're going to come back after a short break. We're going to hear more from, uh, uh, General Robert Neller uh, about his time in the Marine Corps. Very long time, three years turned into forty, and so uh, we're grateful for yeah, grateful for his time here. So uh, we'll see you here in just a few minutes. Welcome back. You are listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes, and we are here with you live from the News Talk uh, studios, and uh, we are joined by a very, very special guest, General Robert Neller, 37th Commandant of the Marine Corps, and uh, sir, we are just so thrilled to have you on here and, and hearing your stories and telling us a little bit about where you've uh, where you come from, your, your time in service, and uh, very inspiring and uh, uh, certainly relatable, and uh, just thank you for uh, being willing to share. And I know uh, uh, Paul's got a few more questions, and Devin's got a few more questions. So, in, in honor of my oath to be kind to the Marines, <laughs> gentlemen, uh, would you like to proceed? Yeah, General, I have one for you. And we always like to get something funny here, and I certainly as a Marine and every other Marine walking earth probably has some funny story, but share a funny story with you, a notable character, just something crazy from your time. The boombox story the, was on point well, during break. that was. I'm, maybe, yeah, make that. <laughs> that was way, on point. Uh, go back and uh, watch this on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, you're going to get a great story that you can't get on the air. So, General... Uh... Well, you know, you always remember orders that you shouldn't have given because you knew they were not going to be obeyed, right? Oh. <laughs> and so we're on, we're on deployment, and we're pulling to Hong Kong, and I'm company commander, and the battalion commander gets everybody together and says, hey, we understand that there's an outbreak of hepatitis in the city of Hong Kong, and it's being transmitted by people getting tattoos, and I don't want the Marines to get tattoos, and, you know, please talk to them, blah, blah, blah. So then he gets on the 1MC, and he says, and he, he was a very nice guy, and he was a good commander, and he's kind of asked the Marines not to get tattoos. And then I said, all right, well, that ain't going to work with the guys I'm with. So <laughs> I all together and I go, hey, if you get a tattoo, you're going to come see me. So we're in town. We're in Hong Kong for a few days. And then First Sergeant Zenzel comes up after about day three and he goes, hey, CEO, I think we got a problem. I understand people getting tattoos. I said, well, like how many? He goes, like 40. <laughs> I said, okay, take them down in the well deck and strip them down to their, take them off, take off their shirts and then see how many tattoos there are. So he comes back up. He says, yeah, it was about 40. And I said, okay, write them up, write them up. Article 92, disobedience of a lawful order. And then uh, the, the head corpsman or, or, or lead corpsman and Sergeant Scott Miller, who was, probably the best Marine in the company, they, they ask, they request an audience to see me. And they come in and I go, what? And I go, well, so we just want you to know we didn't just willy-nilly disobey you. The doc here, he, 
he went out and surveyed and all the medical, they did all the medical assessment of all the tattoo parlors in Hong Kong and we picked the cleanest one. <laughs> I, said, oh my gosh. I said, thank you very much for your interest in national defense. And so I brought them all in and I find them all a hundred bucks. So forward a couple later, we're on, we're in Tinian and we had taken a, a ferry over to, to Saipan and we're coming back and we're standing up on the top, getting some sun and, Miller's up there and we're talking and he's got his shirt off and, and this guy comes up to Miller and goes, man, that is a beautiful tattoo you got on your back, that butterfly. Where'd you get the colors? That's so great. He goes, I got it in Hong Kong. He goes, what'd you pay for it? And Miller looks at me and he goes, the first time or the second time? <laughs> <laughs> Smokes. Wow. So the moral of the story is, you know, we all make mistakes. I mean, I, I wish I could give all those Marines their hundred bucks back, but they should have not gotten a damn tattoo in Hong Kong. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. That, that was a great that story, was awesome. sir. Man, wow. I, I'd have loved to have been your chaplain, sir. <laughs> We'd have had a good time together. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, sir, you know, like we said earlier, as, an, as enlisted folk here, if they didn't expect us to get out of line from time to time, they would not tempt us with a good conduct man. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know how I got mine. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> just, just for the record, since y'all think I'm a hater. I got a good conduct medal too. Uh, <laughs> I also you don't know how funny? you got yours. Yeah, I do. <laughs> hey, well, sir, uh, of, of all your commands, did you have a favorite command? You know, I don't, everybody asks me that. They said, what was the best command? What was the best duty station? I mean, it was a great honor and privilege to be the commandant. I mean, it wasn't, Yeah. Said, are you having a good time? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this, this is really hard. I think the best was that time that, you know, when I was a company commander and a captain, because that was when I knew everybody. Yeah. I knew every Marine. I knew their name. I knew about their family. I knew something about them. And we were we were out in the field. We were sleeping on the ground together. We were getting wet together. We were sweating together. And I was fortunate. I got to be a company commander four times. So I think the four times I got to do that where I actually got to share with Marines. Uh, as organizations get bigger, your responsibilities change, and you have to kind of adjust and, but you're always looking to try to make Marines believe and see that you're there and that you, you know, you're, you give it. I mean, I know probably not proper language, but people ask me, says, what do you want to be remembered by? Or why do you, what do you want your legacy to be? And I'm like, I just, I want people to, to remember that they thought I cared about them. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a good that, legacy. That is a strong that, that's always something you want to hear from your leaders, um, and uh, I, I don't think that we often hear that enough. Uh, although I, I will say that uh, our as much I was about to say a, a word uh, not FCC regulated as as much crap as John gives us all at uh, here. Uh, we we do know that our leader at Purple Heart Homes does care about us. Uh, he he does show us that every day. And uh, but uh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> 
I was, I was like, about to reply I was like, my with, gosh. with a thank you. It's so thick in do, here. Do you see, sir, so the, the, the predicament oh that gosh. they put me in? I try to be nice to one Marine, and another Marine jabs me in the back with a big stick yeah, when I turn to say, thank you so much. Look, I, I appreciate you. It was so thick coming out of him. <laughs> but oh, you know what? God, let, let, me, let me just tag on there. You know what? I think that that is just such a great example. Two, twofold. Number one, the I think the idea of being a leader, right, and, and caring about your family is not that you just always do what you what they want for you or that you're you're just always giving to them, but sometimes it's about holding accountable, right? Absolutely. Sometimes it's about you care enough about them that you make them throw the, the boom box into the dumpster, True. right? Or you tell them that they can't get a tattoo. And and likewise, you also have to uh, have have a sense of humor and and not an ego that says, you know what, uh, Paul, you're right. Sometimes I, I might not have to be so nice, and I can take that too, and I can accept that, and I think that's a part of it, right? Is that that you can uh, you can take that little bit of criticism and and that you have thick skin, just like you have to give tough love. Yeah, true. Yep, Don't true. disagree well, with that. I worked for a guy once, and he told me, he said, you know what are the two most important qualities? For a Marine, I go, no, sir, what is that? He goes, this discipline and a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to have both of those for dad burn, sure. I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if you, if you can't laugh at stuff, you, I mean, if you serve in the military, whatever branch, and there's going to be times where you either going to be, you, you either figure out a way to laugh or, or you're going to find the exit door real soon, right? I mean, no, because it's just. Yeah. 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 Sir, I, we got one minute left here before we go to our last break. And uh, before we before we do that, I just want to state for the record <laughs> that uh, Paul's illustrious wife, Mandy, is uh, in the chat room here. And uh, and she is picking on Paul's driving skills or at least calling out Paul's driving skills. So does that give me permission to. <laughs> talk about no, or disparage sir. his driving skills as a Marine? No, sir. it doesn't. She outranks you. Can, can oh, I just oh. take this one because I think that folks that live in glass houses should not throw rocks. <laughs> and uh, I've ridden with both these men. Sir, uh, do not allow them to be your chauffeur. Uh, hey, we're going to uh, head right into break and uh, we'll be back here in just a few minutes. Uh, we've got uh, Marine Corps Commandant uh, General Robert Neller with us. It's been an outstanding show. We've got a few more minutes left, so you don't want to miss this. We'll see you here back in just a few on WSIC News Talk Now. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Putting the Pieces Back Together, presented by Purple Heart Homes, and we are so glad you're here with us today. Um, we are joined and have been joined the whole show by uh, retired Commandant of the Marine Corps, Robert Neller, and we've been hearing some amazing uh, stories and bits of wisdom, and um, all of us in the studio today, and hopefully uh, those that are listening have, have learned a lot, and it's it, we're just really humbled and grateful that you took time out of your day to spend with us, sir, and um, it's, uh, it's wonderful to hear from you, and if you want to know more about uh, John Neller, you, you just Google his name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can find, you can find a, a plethora of information on him. I would recommend everybody watch his comm- commencement yes. address from Hillsdale College in yes, 2019. Definitely. He's doing that in uniform. Sir, I believe you were still uh, serving on active duty at the time. That well, was prior to your retirement. Oh. Yep. And 
it's a really and if you in and uh, and one of the things that I always remember about the leaders that I loved and respected and my my commanders down at Fort Bragg is that I, I always could characterize uh, a good leader when I didn't know them was by how long they spoke and what they said in the time that they spoke and the leaders that I respected the most were in and profound and um, and then got out quick and and his commencement speech is about 11 minutes long but it is really really good and I would commend everybody to to go out and watch that and Paul and I were talking about this today and there was three points that you brought out in that speech sir that that meant a lot to me Paul um, uh, like any good marine wrote them down as we were as I was uh, telling them about those and Paul if you would in general you might want to expand on these and and uh, but uh, what were they Paul one was effort matters. Mm-hmm. Two is perseverance because you will face adversity in life. And three is character counts. Mm-hmm. Words to yeah, live by right there. That, Words to live by. I mean, those are, I mean, I, I, I do some public speaking and those are kind of the three main things, but I don't know much time we got, but the effort matters. The story behind that is uh, I was at MCRD San Diego as a first lieutenant and we're at, still at the outset of the all volunteer force and we didn't get a lot. Some of the recruits we got, let's just say were not the best. And a couple of times we, we would get, you see pictures of general Wilson looking at a young man who's clearly way overweight anyway. So I was on my last series and a friend of mine was running a special training uh, unit, which is where they sent recruits who couldn't pass the initial PFT. And he calls me up and he goes, Hey, I got this recruit. He's lost over 100 pounds. He can run three miles in 21 minutes. He can do all the sit-ups. He just can't do a pull-up. He's lost 100 pounds. He just can't do a pull-up. Oh, man. And I should have discharged him. He's been here 120 days. Remember that. Imagine that. You've been at boot camp 120 days, and you have not even started training day one. Oh, wow. Wow. So I said, uh, being the cocky, arrogant first lieutenant that I was, Said, yeah, I'll take him. So he comes down there, and I see the guy. He's just so happy. Imagine you've been you've you've been there for four months. You've lost over 100 pounds, and you're finally starting training. And he knew everything. He knew the routine. He was going to be a great private. I just had to get the guy to do a pull up. So long story short, is we have a talk, and he, you know, I know he's committed, and and he's doing his exercises and all this stuff. And so we go out for the very first physical, full physical fitness test, Marine Corps recruit training now is four phases. It used to be three. And at the end of phase one, you do a physical fitness test. And he had passed the run and he's, and he's doing, he's coming up on the pull bar. He'd been close. I mean, I was watching this kid and he's close. So he comes up on the bar and you can feel there's like 300 privates there. And even the drill instructors as cold hearted as they can be, we're actually pulling for the kid. And, uh, and so he gets up on the bar and the drill goes, mount the bar, come to a complete dead hang, begin. And he goes, and he pulls it, pulls it, and boom, his chin goes over the bar. One. And then he grows off the bar, and the place goes nuts. I lost complete control. 300 privates go crazy. They pick the kid up, <laughs> parade him around like he won an Olympic gold medal. Really? Even the truck instructors are cheering and laughing. And I guess the moral story is, and later on, he did three, then he did five, then he graduated, he did 12, and then he was meritoriously promoted as squad leader. And, he actually went to Marine Barracks eighth and I because he was tall and, Very nice. and he was a great, he was a good, you're a good young man. Anyway, so the moral story is he could have quit. Mm-hmm. He could have quit. Uh, he was there 120 days. He never quit. The guy that was, that had him there special training could have discharged him. He should have discharged him. And the drill instructors that took him in their platoon, they could have given him a hard time, but they didn't. And so if, 
there's people out there working hard every day and you need to acknowledge that maybe that the best they got is the best they got and we need to effort matters you need to acknowledge effort and sometimes the best people you have are maybe not the most talented they're just the ones that work harder mm. wow those are yeah, i've heard it said many times sir it might not always be the best guy but it should always be the right guy mm-hmm mm-hmm and those those people those people we had a guy in my platoon in boot camp had been recycled back to us he was overweight his last name was Porter I'll never forget this guy he was so driven very much like that guy and at night you know he couldn't be out of the rack one hour after taps one hour prior to Reveille but any time between that time he'd have Firewatch wake him up and he would PT himself for another hour or two every single night and he graduated with our platoon. So I have a lot of respect for that guy. I often wonder what happened to him, but I'm sure he's he's been a success. Wow, that's incredible. So, uh, sir, do you have a story for each of those three points? No, I, I think the effort matters story is is, is kind of almost resilience. Mm-hmm. I, I, character is, you know, everybody. Character is an easy word to say. It's hard to do. I mean, what what do you have inside you that makes you a virtuous, noble? courageous person and and i'm i think everybody makes choices all the time and a lot of them go unnoticed or unappreciated in our own life so i I don't really have a a character count story i think we all look back at you know when we made choices in our lives where we could have not held ourselves accountable i think that was you that mentioned accountability and i think as long as is we hold ourselves accountable, not just as individuals, but as citizens. You know, there's, we've got a chance in this experiment we call American democracy. So we need to be held accountable. We need to hold ourselves accountable. We have to hold our leaders accountable. And at the same time, you have to be willing to compromise because you're never, military is a little bit different. You know, I mean, people think everything's black and white in the military and a lot of times, you know, there that you have to get people on side. I mean, you can sit there and say, "Do this, do that," and people will do it for a while. But after, if it's not the right thing to do, or if you're not willing to admit that you made a mistake and hold yourself accountable, the thing starts to fall apart. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That, so mm. I want to want to ask one final question. And for those that don't know, the commandant publishes a reading list every year, mm-hmm. and not necessarily tied to your reading list, sir, but what one book would you recommend just across the board? Well, that's tough. Uh, you know, we went through the list every year, and obviously there were things that I had read that I thought were uh, worthy of, you know, people reading. And you try to come up with books that can that are of interest that are going to be meaningful to people from private to, to general. Uh, you know, for a Marine, I think the, probably the best book to read is First to Flight by Victor Krulak. That's kind of the, gives you a good sense of the culture of the Marine Corps as it came out of World War II and why Marines are the way they are and what the nation expects. And Krulak in that book says, the nation doesn't really need a Marine Corps. I mean, the f- history is the army did more amphibious landings in World War II than the Marine Corps. But the nation wants a Marine Corps, and they want a Marine Corps because they want to have a group of, of service members, soldiers of the sea, if you will, that they have confidence and they're going to go no matter where they're told to go, and they're going to fight and they're going to win. 
And if we ever lose that, then we really don't need to have a Marine Corps. Mm. As far as a book I really like, it's called The Anatomy of Courage, which is written by a guy named Moran. Moran was a, a doctor in World War I with a British unit, and later he became Winston Churchill's personal physician. And he writes about what he saw and, and how people were resilient or not resilient in the trenches in World War I, which was just absolutely horrifically brutal, horrible fight and what people did to get out and why some people were able to carry on and why they were. But the quote from Moran, I remember, is, is that something like this, I'll paraphrase it. Uh, every person, uh, even the best of us, is like a fine suit of clothes. No matter how well made, we will eventually wear out. <laughs> wow. And uh, so Moran was like, look, I can do all the discipline stuff in the world and do all this stuff. But at some point, every one of us, unless you're a psychopath, you're going to break. And so we have to be conscious of the mental aspects of war, just as much as we are the training and the physical and the material aspects. Absolutely. Wow. You know, uh, normally we have to ask kind of what's that advice that we, you'd give to uh, somebody that's just getting out or maybe somebody that's uh, getting ready to go in. But that is that was phenomenal. And, sir, just cannot thank you enough for your service to our nation, yes, your family service to our nation. And uh, we, we uh, every one of us, salute you. And uh, uh, as I'd like to uh, end the show with just one uh, final hoorah to you, sir. And uh, to all our Marines out there, we really do love you, and uh, you you have every ounce of our respect. 50 push-ups, John. Simplify, sir. You've been listening to Putting the Pieces Back Together, brought to you by Purple Heart Homes. Please consider making a donation to this worthwhile cause dedicated to improving the lives of veterans one home at a time by visiting purpleheartholmesusa.org. Join us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for Putting the Pieces Back Together on WSIC News Talk Now.